welcome to the Cork Church Podcast. We are so glad that you are joining us today. We hope this message inspires you, builds your faith, and encourages you in the things of the Lord. Enjoy the message. Church, it's, it's so special to be in uh, in the house, in his presence. Uh, we're excited because we know soon you're going to be here as well. And uh, we know the Lord is working. Uh, he's working, he's moving in so many different ways. And we don't want to lose sight of that. We don't want to lose faith at this time. God is working. God is at work. God is in control. Yes, things are happening. Unprecedented things are happening. But we have an unprecedented God. We have a God who knows all, sees all, and is enthroned upon the flood. That's what the scriptures say, above the flood. That's where he is. But he's also enthroned on the praises of his people, right? It says that in, I think, Psalm 22, verse 3, that God is enthroned. Uh, the God, God is enthroned on the praises of Israel. And we are spiritual Israel. We are God's chosen people. And when we begin to sing and worship in spirit and in truth, the truth of who he is, what he's done, and where he's seated, and where we are in him becomes a reality in our lives. Don't underestimate the power of praise at this time. There's a reason to sing him, sing to him. Um, uh, there's a song by Elevation Worship. I, I love um, the, the uh, um, what's it called? I love it so much I can't remember the title. <laughs> it's uh, Miracles, Millions of Miracles. And it's, uh, the court, I'm not going to sing it because I don't want you to log off just yet. But it goes, Miracles, Miracles, um, a Million Little Miracles, One, Two, Three, Four. I can't even count them all. And, and, and can, can, we, can we embrace that spirit of waking up every day and seeing the mercy of God in every little thing, uh, in the face of the loved ones God has given you? Listen, your kids might be tearing your hair out, but thank God for them. Amen? Or I hope they're not tearing your hair out. I hope you're tearing your hair out over your children. Can you tell them tired this morning? Can you tell my kids keeping me up at night? Uh, but listen, even if that's the case, they are a blessing from the Lord. Amen. Your spouse is a blessing from the Lord. You can rewind that and say it again. Your spouse is a blessing from the Lord. Uh, so many things. Let's give thanks to him because he's worthy, because he's gracious, because he's kind, and because he's good. And thank you, Lord, this uh, evening for the opportunity you've given just to open the scriptures, Lord. Just to open your word, just to share, Lord, out of what you've spoken to my heart, Lord, that I pray will be a blessing to the people listening, Lord. So many of us are dealing with things. So many of us are grappling with things, Lord. And as, as time goes on, and as we're faced with more and more and more uncertainty, the temptation is to abandon our faith. The uh, temptation, Lord, is to step away from putting all of our weight, all of, of our full assurance on your word, Jesus, and beginning, Lord Jesus, to, to do like what we heard last week, to just shrink back into what's easy and what's familiar, but what will ultimately not bear fruit. Well, I pray today, Lord, you would do what you do best, and that's rescue us from ourselves. It's what you do best, Lord. You come and you find us, you seek us with your amazing, wonderful, redeeming love. And I'm just asking right now, God, for a grace. I need grace today. I really do. Please, Lord, give me the grace just to speak in a way that will touch and reach people, Lord. There is nothing Patrick Dobbin has to say that anybody uh, really needs to hear, but Lord, Lord, through a willing vessel, 
all things become possible. Lord Jesus, you said that yourself. Apart from me, nothing is possible. But with me, all things become possible. And so we pray, Lord, just for faith. Let faith come and let faith reign in our hearts. Because in that place, Lord, there is power for more miracles. And for those people online who need a miracle... Just put your trust in Jesus. Put your trust in him. He is able. He is bigger and greater than what you're facing. He is bigger, stronger, greater, and more powerful than whatever it is that's coming against you. And just a word and what we'll read tonight, just a touch from the master is enough to do abundantly more than what we can even ask or imagine. So Lord, will you come and will you do what only you can do tonight in Jesus' name? Amen and amen. Praise the Lord. Uh, Just another greeting uh, just from everybody here at the church. We're looking forward to seeing you all again, getting your families in here. We're going to do it right with social distance and all that kind of stuff. But we're going to see you sooner rather than later. Amen. So be encouraged. Be excited. God is at work. And in the meantime, continue to embrace the deeper work that God is doing in you. Amen. So God has separated his church from the buildings that they meet to worship in. But we are still his church. And in the quiet places that we find ourselves in lockdown, he is more than able to speak to us. And with his presence, meet us in that place to impart something. Listen to me. Whenever you come into the presence of God, you do not leave without an impartation. You don't leave without a gift from the king. From the master. I think about David when he when he danced before the ark and brought it into Jerusalem. The Bible says everybody got a flask of wine or, or, or a, a bread or a cake of raisins. Everybody got blessed when the presence was in the midst. Everybody got blessed by, by David, by Christ. And so when Christ is in the midst, there is an impartation for you and for me. So open your hearts, look beyond your trust. Look beyond your difficulty tonight because the king of glory is closer than you think. Amen. The king of glory is closer than you can imagine right now. You may not see him. You may not feel him. You may look to the east or to the west. Sorry, that's the west and that's the east. (laughs) Right? You may look one way or another way. You may look north. You may look south. But like Job says, when he's finished, you will come forth as gold. Amen. That's it. Listen, this lockdown is not easy. I'm not talking to you. I'm talking with you about a shared experience. It's not easy. But you know, I think about a kiln. I think about that idea of a pressurized hot environment that you put unbaked clay into. Now that unbaked clay, before it goes through the kiln, it has no, um, it's got no utility. You can't put anything in it. It's unfit for use. But in that pressurized, heated environment, it's baked, it hardens, and it becomes ready for use. Amen? So God is preparing you in this season so that you're ready for use in the coming season. Amen? God is preparing, and I believe it, God is going to do something with his church in the coming season that is as unprecedented as the season we're in. Right? That's what I believe. So what, a hundred years since the last pandemic? 
okay? And you can, you can meet me in the comment section of whether or not you believe it's a pandemic, but I, I have the microphone, so it's a pandemic for now, right? So, so uh, it's unprecedented to be in an experience like this, but let me tell you, the Lord doesn't waste a drop. My Bible says in Romans 8, 28, that he's at work in all things for the good of those who've been called according to his purpose. All things, that means good and bad, God is working for the good to bring about his purposes in the lives of those whom he's called. Isn't that a tremendous truth? So look in the mirror right now, pull up your camera app, look, turn it around to selfie mode, look in the mirror and tell yourself, I am called and chosen of the Lord, therefore my circumstance will be brought around for the good because that's what God does, right? Ephesians 1.11 says that he reconciles all things to the pattern of his will. What does that mean? It means that in all things, he is the reconciler. He's the reconciling one. He's the one who harmonizes my trial with with my calling to create a testimony. That's who he is. He harmonizes the discordant strands of my reality to make for himself a song or as it says in Corinthians, a poema, a letter, an epistle that testifies through my life of his glory. Will you get excited right now? Listen, I'm jacked up on iron brew. Uh, not a hind brew monster. It's all the one. Uh, listen, I listen. I am just here and I'm just trusting that you're hearing what God would say right now. That now is the time to be encouraged. Now is the time to rise up in faith and look beyond a lockdown to the God who has said he'll build his church and the gates of hell won't prevail against it. The Irish government won't prevail against it. All right. So you can look at the Irish government and say, man, they're keeping the church down or whatever. Well, if the gates of hell can't keep the church down, good luck to the Irish government. Amen. Jesus is going to build his church. If he could build it in Rome back in the day, in Paul's day, in Peter's day, surely he can build it now. So be encouraged. But building his church isn't just putting his church in buildings. It's putting giving his church the roots they need, building each and every one of us because we are his church, down giving us roots deep into the ground so that when the winds and the storms come, we might be shaken, but we won't be uprooted. That is the great work. And I want to tell you this as well. If God is going to build something in your life, he's going to have to dig down deep first and get the foundations right. I'm telling you right now, if you're wondering what the last 14 months has been about, he's digging down, getting into the foundations, getting right into the dark, inner, secret places, and doing a kind of a work that will allow him in the future, in the coming season, to build high without fear of something falling over. Amen? That's what's, you got to have a deep foundation. You've got to have roots to bear fruit. You've got to have roots. Embrace the fact that the work that God does in secret, in, in the quiet, in the dark, is a greater work, is a greater work and one worthy of praise right now. Praise his name right now. 
God is good. That, that is not my message. <laughs> it's the message, but it's not my message. Today, I want to talk to you out of Mark 5, um, and I want to look. Uh, I'm not going to preach verse, to ver- uh, verse by verse tonight. I'm not going to do that. Instead, what I'm going to do is I'm going to go, and I'm going to, I'm going to explore some typology tonight. I'm going to look at types, and I want to show you something that blessed me really quite recently. Um, from the word. So I want to look at Matthew, Mark 5. It's a story we all know. It's about Jairus and the healing that takes place. Jesus the heals uh, Jairus, the synagogue leader's daughter, uh, brings, in fact, brings her back from the dead, excuse me, but he also heals a woman with an issue of blood, a woman who'd been bleeding for 12 years. So it's Mark 5, verses 21 to 42. It's a long reading. Um, I will begin to read it, and we will see how we do. Small bit of context. Jesus has just um, healed, calmed a storm on the Sea of Galilee, gone to the Gadarenes and, 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 and healed a demoniac, cast demons out of him into a herd of pigs, and he was driven out of that region, yet his fame spread through the Decapolis. Now the scriptures say he got back in, his, in, in a boat and sailed back across the Sea of Galilee and came to the uh, uh, towns in Jerusalem on the, uh, uh, sorry, towns uh, in Israel on the other side of the Sea of Galilee. And so we pick it up here, verse 21. And when Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered about him and he was beside the sea. Then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, and seeing him, he fell at his feet and implored him earnestly, saying, My little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live. If you are desperate tonight, stay tuned. If you are desperate, you need, you need a touch from God tonight. Please keep listening. Verse 24, and he went with him. And a great crowd followed him and thronged about him. And there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years and um, who had suffered much under many physicians and had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. She heard the reports uh, and about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if I touch even his garment, I will be made well. And immediately the flow of blood dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. And Jesus perceiving in himself that power had gone out from him, immediately turned about in the crowd and said, who touched my garment? And the disciples said to him, you see the crowd pressing around you, and yet you say who touched me, and he looked around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. He's our healer. Amen. While he was still speaking, there came from the ruler's house some who said, your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not fear, only believe. And he allowed no one follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. They came, uh, they came uh, to the house of the ruler of the synagogue, and Jesus saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. And when he had entered, he said to them, Why are you making a commotion and weeping? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. But he put them all outside and he took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and he went in where the child was. Taking her by the hand, he said to her, Talitha kumi, which means 
Little girl, I say to you, arise. And immediately the girl got up and began walking. For she was 12 years of age, and they were immediately overcome with amazement. And he strictly charged them that no one should know this. And he told them to give her something to eat. Amen and amen. So tonight, church, I want to share uh, out of this passage principally, but I want to look at types. I want to look at pictures here because although there's so much practical application in this text, I'm actually not going to explore that too deeply. Instead, I want to show you two women, okay, two women in the passage, two healings, two pictures of the church, okay, and two aspects of the gospel. That's what I want to show you tonight. I want to show you that from the text. Two healings, two pictures of the church, two aspects of the gospel. So here in verses 30 to 34, I want to show you the woman with an issue of blood. I want to show you this woman. And and let me just read some things to you. Um, I took some notes just here. I want you to understand what it must have been like for this woman, what it must have been like. The context of it, Jesus is speaking with Jairus. Jairus comes, he throws himself down at the feet of Jesus. This was no little thing for a man of his stature in that society to do but he was desperate and listen when we're desperate we we know where to go amen to the feet of Jesus and at that place he says Jesus will you touch my daughter she is at the point of death now that literally means that she is at her last gasp of breath that's what he's saying to Jesus Jesus it is over for my daughter it is over for my loved one it is over for my situation unless you come and put your hand on what death is attempting to put its hands on I need you to touch her and folks death is always going to lay claim or attempt to lay claim to that which you have entrusted to him it's always going to be a challenge of faith to believe that God will keep what he has said he'll keep against that day but he will he's faithful he's able and then and then an interruption Bible says in verse 24, Jesus said, I'm going to go. Jesus leaves no, Jesus will not leave death unchallenged. Amen. He will not leave death unchallenged. And so he's going with Jairus. And listen, when you bring those things to Jesus, when you bring your things that are at the point of death to Jesus, when you bring those things that are beyond your help, beyond your strength, beyond your ingenuity, beyond your resources to Jesus, He says, yes, I'm coming with you. I'm coming with you. You bring them into his presence and his presence goes out with you back into that situation. And then the interruption comes. Can you imagine it? For Jairus, what that must have been like. I heard of Jesus, I've heard, and now I've seen him. And he said, yes, he's coming into my situation. And then this woman comes with an interruption an interruption with an issue of blood. Desperate woman. She tried everything. Everything. Given everything. Gone everywhere. Bounced from one physician to another. One referral to another. One specialist to another. But it had only gotten worse. This woman's sickness, people believe, 
They think that maybe she was on her menstrual cycle all month long. And it meant that she was continually unclean under the law. You can see it in Leviticus 15, 25 through 28. And so it was a social and a religious problem on top of a physical one. So not only was she physically impaired, not only was she sick, but socially and even the religion, even, even it was such a, a crushing problem for this woman. Some think that maybe the condition started after puberty for her. And if that was the case, given a common ancient life expectancy of about 40 years, and for the 12 years she'd been ill, she may have spent half her adult life with all this trouble. And since she couldn't bear children in this state, and the Jewish men often divorced women who were incapable of bearing children, this woman probably never married. Or if she had gotten married and the sickness happened to her, then she would have been divorced and remained single. So in a society where single celibate women could not easily earn much income, this illness affected virtually every area of her life. Listen, today, as we just talk about this, I want to draw a parallel here. I mentioned it, I spoke about the picture of the church. I want to draw a parallel here. This woman was cast off. She was destitute. She was bound up in, in, her, in her sickness, and she was put at arm's length. It was so bad that actually if she touched anyone or anyone else's clothes, she, was, she would render that person ceremonially unclean for the rest of the day. Okay, so, so because she rendered anyone unclean that she touched, she shouldn't have even been in the crowd at all. I want you to imagine the risk that this woman took to be in that place. I want you to imagine the risk that this woman took to get in the proximity of Jesus. Amazing, amazing. But folks, follow me and try and follow me with this here. That woman that with the issue of blood, she's a picture of the church. Cast off, destitute, rejected. So I want to talk to two sets of people tonight. The first is, is, is the one battling shame. And I'm going to talk uh, about another person. But, but now I'm going to talk to you a little bit about shame because this woman is a picture of the church. Cast off, a social pariah. Like all of us, like all of us, we begin this faith journey absolutely cast off from, cast off from society, unaccepted, rejected perhaps. Let me read to you from Ezekiel chapter 16 here, just to show you the power of it, because she comes and the Bible says she touches Jesus' garments, she touches him, and there is a, a, a transference of power. I want to show you here uh, something that, I, I, this, that God showed me, and I just pray that it touches you, because here God in Ezekiel 16 is talking about his bride Israel. He's talking about the children of Israel, his chosen people, his people who he called, who, who he put his name on, who he said, I want you for my own. And here in verse in, in 16, this is what he says. This is God taking his relationship with his people and using it as a picture uh, of, 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 of a marriage relationship here. 
Again, the word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, make known to Jerusalem her abominations and say, thus says the Lord God to Jerusalem, your origin and your birth are from the land of the Canaanites. Your father was an Amorite and your mother a Hittite. And as for your birth, on the day you were born, your cord was not cut, nor were you washed with water to cleanse you, nor rubbed with salt, nor wrapped with swaddling clothes. No, I pitied you to do any of these things for you out of compassion for you, but you were cast out in the open field for you were abhorred on the day you were born. And isn't this true for us in salvation? We are cast off and away. We are outside the promises, outside the life of God, outside of the love of God, unloved, unlovable, unworthy. And many of us dealing with shame today may still be carrying around that sense that I'm unlovable, I'm unloved, I'm unworthy. You look around and you might feel rejected by, by, by people who you think represent Christ. You might look and think that you're, you, you may feel like you have no place in society you may feel not of noble birth you may feel like all of those things I want to tell you that the solution today is redeeming love you need to know you need God to touch you again with the truth of his redeeming love listen here verse 6 and when I passed you and saw that you were wallowing in your blood I said to you in your blood live I said to you in your blood, live in your blood. I made you flourish like a plant of the field and you grew up and became tall and arrived at full adornment. You were formed and your hair grew, had, had grown and yet you were naked and bare. In other words, you were in your shame. I said to you, live, but you were still carrying around your shame with you. Even though I'd brought life to you and I touched you with my life and I'd spoken my word over you, I'd spoken that word of cleanliness over you, you're still walking around with that old identity you're still walking around with that old way of thinking even though I've said you're clean even though I've said to you live you're still walking around with that identity that death way of thinking that's shaped by your experiences that's shaped by your rejection and God is saying to you right now no there's more there's a second encounter coming look Verse 8, when I passed you again and saw that you were at the age for love, I spread, and folks, this is what I want you to catch right now, I spread the corner of my garment over you and covered your nakedness. Read to catch this. So here's this woman with an issue of blood who goes to Jesus. She pushes through all of an identity that is not, that, that's, that's crippling. It's beyond even what she's going through. It's what, what she is going through has made her in her own mind and heart. And she gets to Jesus and, she, and, and her thinking is what? If I can just touch the hem, the corner of his robe in my blood, I'll be made well. I'll be healed. See, it's in the thinking, folks. When you begin to understand what it means to be covered by the hem of his robe, when you begin to understand what it means to be covered by him, when no one else desired you, he covered you with his robe. 
Folks, listen to me. That is the power of redeeming love. That is the truth of the church of Jesus Christ. That is what that is the key to the lock called shame, to the to the prison door called shame. That when nobody loved me, he covered me. Ruth 3:9. Ruth says to Boaz, spread the corner of your garment over me, for you are a redeemer. You're a redeemer. Spread the corner of your garment over me. And here is this woman in Ezekiel 16, this picture of the church, this picture of God's people, cast out, rejected, the least of the least. Listen, the church of Jesus Christ, she ain't a looker, but she's loved. Amen? She's loved. And so Jesus comes and he says, I'll cover you with the corner of my garment. And that word corner means the border or the hem. It means the border or the hem. I'm going to cover you. I'm going to redeem you. I'm going to call you by name. I'm going to make you mine. And listen, folks. That woman found power as she touched the hem of his garment. We are covered by him. We receive his identity. We become one with him as he casts his cloak over us. Another translation, that word cloak means wings. He puts his wings around you and covers you and makes you his own. The identity he gives us is our healing. The identity he gives us when we begin to identify with his love, when we begin to say, no, I am not what my reject, the sum total of my rejections say that I am. I am defined by his acceptance. Listen, he accepts us in a moment and we spend a lifetime accepting his acceptance. God, give me the grace today to accept your acceptance. Yes, you love me. Do you know one of the most profound songs I ever sang as, I sang as a child? Jesus loves me. This I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Why? Because my Bible tells me so. I'm not listening to my feelings. I'm not looking at my rejections, my past, what happened to me, what this person said to me, what they did to me, what, what, what I went through. And listen, it's real. It's real. I'm not here to minimize what you have gone through. I'm here to point to the glory of what he's done for you by covering you with his robe and saying, I choose you. I choose you. I see you in your blood. I see you in your rejection. I see you in your uncleanliness. And I call you my own. This whole passage in Mark is about a God who will touch the unclean things. He touches unclean things. Bible says in Matthew, Jesus came down off the mountain after giving his sermon and meets a leper. And the leper says, will you touch me? Will you touch me? And that leper, it's a picture of sin. It's always a picture of sin and the pervasiveness of sin. And Jesus says, he says, he says, Lord, if you're willing, you can touch me and make me clean. Jesus says, I'm willing. I'm willing. And for the first time, the clean makes the unclean clean. 
The clean makes the unclean clean. Usually you touch leper, you touch a leper, you're unclean. You touch a leper, you need to be put aside out of the camp for seven days. There's washings that had to happen. But Jesus touches him as if to say there is a power stronger than sin here. There is a power stronger than sin here. There is a power stronger than the bondage of sin, than the identity sin gives you, than the, than the lens sin puts over you. You see, and listen, some of you need to start speaking differently about yourself. That's God's bride you're talking about. Some of you need to start speaking differently. Some of you need to start saying, oh, I'm just this, and I'm just that, and I come from this, and that's what I've always been. And you were that, but you've been washed, you've been justified, you've been sanctified by the Spirit of our God. God has washed you. God has touched you. God has covered you with his robe. You are clean because he says you're clean. And that is our healing from shame. Thank you, Lord. Look at verse 18. Look at verse 18 of 16, Ezekiel 16. Or verse 8, excuse me. Again, I spread the corner of my garment over you and I covered your nakedness. Oh, I covered your shame. Oh, I covered your nakedness. I covered your shame. I covered that old identity, that old what you were, and I've brought you in to the promises, into the commonwealth, into my life, into my kindness, into my goodness. He is publicly identified with us. We are who he says we are. And I love that. I love Jesus, the woman's healed there in in Mark. She's healed, and yet Jesus still publicly identifies with her. He still says, look, Daughter, your faith has made you well. He still does that. And there's a public identification there too. Listen, that's one picture. And the other one is Jairus' daughter. I hope you bear with me. I usually preach verse by verse, but I just felt strongly to, 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 to present these truths this way. Amen, because I believe there's power in it. I believe that there's something of the Savior's love in this. So bear with me. Again, come at me in the comment section. If it's not to your taste, <laughs> we'll keep going. Okay, so the second pass, the second picture I want to show you, the last picture I want to show you tonight is of the dead girl. It's of the dead girl, Jairus' daughter, her daughter. And listen, in those days, a girl of that age, of the age of 12, was actually, she was of marrying age. She was of marrying age, so she was right on the cusp of coming into that season in her life. And so the tragedy of losing her at that time, it compounded it. It made it even worse to lose a girl of that age. And so Jairus comes. He's so desperate, he leaves her bedside to find the one who has authority over death. And I want to just say to you right now, with that dead thing in your life, you go to Jesus because he, it's the highest 
higher court of appeal. Amen. It's a higher. It's the higher court than death. Death makes its claims go to the higher court, the court of appeal, the court of the empty tomb, where death is exposed as being what it is—a defeated enemy. And so Jairus comes to Jesus and says, "Jesus, if anybody's going to save my daughter, it's you. If anybody's going to touch this situation, it's you. You have authority." Come touch my daughter. Come touch her. And Jesus comes, and that interruption is amazing because it puts faith in Jairus. Now Jairus can believe. Now he's seen, he heard, but now he's seen. And now, at that point, I think it's around verse 36, they come from Jairus's house to say, Teacher, don't bother the master anymore. She's dead. And I love this. The scripture says, one translation says, Jesus hearing this says to Jairus, do not be afraid, only believe, only believe. Now, I love this. That word hearing, it's not the best choice. The better translation is ignoring. Jesus ignoring that statement turns to Jairus and says, don't be afraid, only believe. Have you, have we, have we been writing off situations before we've taken them to Jesus? Have we been saying things, oh, don't, it's not even worth praying about. It's not even worth praying about. Maybe there's people in your life coming to you saying, hey, it's not even worth praying about. Don't even pray. Why? It's never going to change. It's never going to be different. It's always going to be this way. It's always going to be like this. Jesus has a different attitude to death. Jesus ignores that and says, don't be afraid, only believe. And he goes to the house and he enters the house and there are mourners and they're, 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 they're hired. Actually, at that time, you would hire mourners to come and grieve at the place of death. And Jesus comes in and he tests the climate of faith in the room and he says don't why are you crying the girl isn't dead she's only sleeping and the bible says that they laughed at him or they mocked him so he kicked them out amen and you know maybe we need to kick out some mocking voices from the house so we can get our miracle maybe we need to kick out the voice of unbelief those narratives that say death has won those narratives that say it's the end those narratives that say it's final we need to kick them out of the house because Jesus has come and Jesus is the God of resurrection power he's come with resurrection life and power and the girl is dead she's dead and unable to be revived until he speaks a word and she arises folks if that isn't the church so we've got the, the, the unclean woman and now we've got the woman dead the Bible says we were dead in our trespasses and sins that we were objects of wrath following the, power, the pattern of the prince of power of the air. But God, who is rich in mercy, when we were dead in our sins and trespasses. You know, interesting, that word sin, actually one way of translating it is destitute or put out or, or outside of the inheritance or outside of the promises. So when we were destitute and alone and outside, he came with the words. He speaks a word and we arise. Look at John 11, 
Look at John 11. Jesus comes to that graveside. He comes to that place. He comes to that dead man, Lazarus. He comes speaking life. He comes speaking a word to us. Look what he says here. It's John chapter 11, verse 41. They took away the stone. This is Lazarus' graveside. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I know that you always hear me, but I've said on account of the people standing around that they may believe that you sent me. When he said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen straps and his face wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. Jesus comes to that graveside speaking life to a dead man. He comes to this girl, dead, unable to move, unable to seek out life for herself. And he comes and he speaks a word. He says, little girl, arise, arise, arise. And maybe you need to hear that tonight. You need a divine visitation. Listen, wait. I want to say this to you. Wait on his visitation. He will call your name. He will come to that place and he'll speak to you and speak life to you. We, are, we have received resurrection power from him. It's our inheritance. We are the church of the resurrection. We are the church that is able and allowed because we were birthed through resurrection. We can expect resurrection. It's our inheritance. It's our right. All hope for the future comes from the grace of his resurrection that he gives us when he speaks a word and we arise from that dead place. Jesus says in John 5, 25, he says this, just bear with me for a second. And those, uh, excuse me. Truly I say to you, an hour is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. I want to encourage you that because we are the church, that God rose from the dead, if you like, that even though you may feel dead in your situation, you may feel dead, you may feel like there's no way out, you may feel that way, you can expect a visitation. You can expect him to come to that inner place, to that place in the house, within the house, to come and, and to do a resurrection work that only he can do. It's what, he's, it's what he does. It's our inheritance. The last gasp, unable to trust, unable to believe, unable to to, to pray, unable to lift up your voice, just if that's you tonight and you're just at the end, he's coming. He's coming. He's coming. The encounter with Jairus was completely separate. That girl was lying on that bed. She was, there was no, no there was nothing to be done. But Jesus came at the right time and, and did what only he can do. I want to tell you, if you're in that death situation, you have a right to expect a visit from the great physician, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You have a right to believe. And so we've got two women. We've got, and we've got a savior who touches unclean things. We've got a savior who touches things that, that the law at the time said was unclean. 
But his grace and his love and his resurrection power is greater than the claims that the law had over these two women. It's greater than the claims the law has over us. Yes, the law might say that we're not worthy to touch the hem of his garment, yet he covers us with that garment. And yes, we might be lying in that place of death with no power to rise on our own, yet we can expect him to come and touch us because that is who he is. I'm going to end and just say again that for those of you dealing with shame, redeeming love, redeeming love is the power, power of God to break shame in our lives. And for those of us in that place of death, wait on his visitation. He will call your name. He is on the way. It is not over. Death may make its claims over you. But death cannot hold you. The only thing that holds you now is him. That's the only thing that holds you now. So I just want to pray. I just want to pray. Lord, thank you for your word tonight, Lord. I pray that this has been an encouragement to people, Lord, if they're listening. I pray that this made sense and it encourages people right now. Maybe they're dealing with shame. Maybe they're identifying Lord, just by what has happened to them, by the rejections they've dealt with or faced in the past, help them to see that they have another identity in you. You have covered them with the hem of your garment. That woman, that word literally means that she clung to you. She clung to your garment, Lord. And God, that faith sparked a fire, Lord, that touched her body and made her well. Oh, God. I pray, Lord, that as we cling to who you say we are, to, that, to the hem of your garment, to the truth that you love us, Lord, I pray that we would be made well and be healed from those identities that keep us bound up and away from you. And God, I pray, Lord, for those of us who are just beyond the point of help. The helper is on the way. I thank you you're coming and you're able and you'll speak a word only you can and will come forth Lord Lord in those grave clothes Lord and Lord I thank you Lord that there is there will be a time where we will recline with you and dine with you Lord just as Lazarus did and so Lord I just pray Lord for your grace to continue Lord to work through all of our lives Lord and we trust you and Lord for those of us who struggle and are doubting I pray that your mercy would come again to lift our heads and keep us going Lord the road is long but we're not walking it alone you're with us thank you Jesus Thank you for tuning in with us today. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Cork Church. Also, make sure to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you have any questions at all, you can email us info at corkchurch.com or just check out our website www.corkchurch.com. Again, thank you for tuning in and see you next time. God bless.